I feel like Florida is like the uh, the everything drawer of the U.S. God damn! You know, like yeah. everybody has that everything drawer where there's it's your like, junk drawer. <laughs> yeah, there's like useful shit in there, but there's also shit in there that you just don't have the heart to throw away yet. Who needs a thousand rubber bands? <laughs> or like those two extra Glade plugins? Yeah, that are like empty. Okay, slight tangent. Why do they come in packs of threes, the actual plugins? But then like the oils come in packs of four, so then you have to buy two packs of threes so that you can fill your four pack and then you have two extra empty cartridges and they go in your everything drawer it's like the hot dog and bun fucking (sighs) monopoly that they've got going on (laughs) of essential oils yeah (laughs) (laughs) fucking hate it they're robbing me of my money yeah we have like i don't know 16 of those things in our goddamn everything drawer i do too and they're all different shapes and sizes because they keep changing them oh yeah and then you're like i don't want to throw this one away because this one had my favorite scent one time maybe they'll bring it back i don't fucking know yeah exactly and this one's shaped like a penguin. I'm going to keep it in case <laughs> next winter I also want to smell good. <laughs> and display my penguin fucking diffuser. I don't know what those things are called. Yeah, I don't either. Plug-in? <laughs> oh, yeah. Or you go to, like, the ones from, like, Bath and Body Works. Yeah, that's that what I was thinking of. Like a fucking flower. Like, goes in your car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every guy is like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> Or they're like, Jesus Christ, that's why we have so many. <laughs> yeah, but every time at Bath and Body Works, too, it's like a... Buy 70 for $25. Exactly. You can buy one for $20, or you can buy 16 for $22. And, you're like, <laughs> well, and they'll be Christmas-themed. <laughs> yeah, great. So then you're sitting there smelling them for like an hour and a half, because you're like, I don't know if I want mocha margarita or... <laughs> <laughs> no one wants that. That's gross. <laughs> or dark, cold winter. Yeah. <laughs> this one smells like boy. <laughs> this one smells like shit cookies. This one smells like Dirty Mike and the Boys. <laughs> hey, you need to tell me your goddamn. Wait, no, you need to tell me what episode it is. It is episode 33. All right, so give me your goddamn, Aaron. Well, my goddamn here on episode 33. 33? Yeah. Wow, I blacked out when you said the actual number. <laughs> <laughs> that was a surprise. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're quite a few in there now. Yeah. In the hole. Keep it going. Yeah. Well, my my husband, uh-huh. my darling husband, has gotten invited by his boss to go to the Indy 500. That motherfucker. This bougie motherfucker. And he rubbing some elbows. He gonna be at... I don't know. It's like a week or something that he's going to leave me. Oh, my God. It's a week? Yeah. It's a long ass What the time. fuck is up with these week trips? I don't know. It's, uh, his, it's his company. I am so happy that he has a nice company or a good company that, like, likes him and all that shit. And they're willing to spend all of their money on him. And yeah. Obviously, that's always a nice perk. He's totally worth it. And he's it. going places. <laughs> yeah. But also, I'm not invited to this trip. What the fuck? So this bougie motherfucker is just going to spend a whole week with an all-expenses-paid thing God at the damn. Indy 500. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to have a police escort into the Jesus place to bring us to our box seats. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck you. All the alcohol is paid for. They're going to go golfing oh at some place that's like, I don't know, $300 to golf at or whatever. Oh, my God. That sounds fucking amazing. Yeah. They have a poker tournament that they're going to go to. They have, they're going to a concert. Brandon's like, I don't even know who it is. I'm like, Jesus Christ. He doesn't even know what the Indy 500 is. No. (laughs) Well, I mean, he talks like Boomhauer, so. That's true. He'll fit in perfectly. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But he's 
like literally he's just going to be the boss's drinking buddy yeah that sounds amazing we need bosses like that i know (laughs) god (laughs) this guy i mean he's really 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 nice but he's got more money than i would know what to do with yeah and so brandon is benefiting from that yeah but it's hard for me to relate on any level yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> fuck you yeah fuck you, you should make sure that you feed him just beans and hot dogs like bef- the week before he leaves so, so he, he never remembers. gets invited again well <laughs> i mean that too but so he remembers where he comes you know came from where he comes from yeah exactly <laughs> don't you forget this is what we eat at home <laughs> <laughs> and i'm gonna be a single mom that whole week oh i don't know how you're gonna do that yeah a whole week mm-hmm. see I mean, I allow long weekend trips to Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Things like that. Like, Lee and I are pretty good about trading that kind of shit off. But a whole week is a big order. Yeah. But he's like, he called me and he's like, can I go to this? And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I'm not going to tell you no. Yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to tell you no to this once in a lifetime opportunity that you have to go do this thing for. That sounds fucking amazing that I would do in a second. <laughs> I would absolutely do that. Like, Tifty. Yeah. Thanks for the fucking invite, you asshole. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well. Stacey, give me your goddamn. Okay, so my goddamn. I'm a little nervous to tell you. Oh my god. Are you nervous? I'm so nervous now. The suspense. Well, it might compromise the integrity of our friendship. Oh no. You might not be my friend after I tell you the story. What did you do? I wasn't going to tell a single soul. Mm-hmm. And then I mentioned it <laughs> at work. <laughs> and my boss was like, what the actual fuck? You need to use this for your goddamn. <laughs> so you weren't going to tell a single soul. And now you're going to tell well, like, a shit ton of people. Well, the way it happened at work, it came out so naturally, like in the conversation. I don't remember what we were talking about. But I was like, oh my gosh, guess what happened? happened and then immediately i regretted what just came out of my mouth i was like fuck i have to say it now it is pretty embarrassing i'm ready (laughs) okay so the other day i was looking for something and i was going through my son's closet and you know how like closets have the top shelf that goes across yeah well i just have a bunch of junk up there so i was digging through it and i found this little plastic baggie and i pulled the plastic baggie out and it had this like brown thing in it uh Okay. And it looked like a dog treat. (laughs) Did you eat it? (laughs) You're kidding. (laughs) It looked like a piece of like turkey jerky or something. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Uh And I like squinted and I mushed it around and I'm looking at it. And then I realized it's my son's umbilical cord. (gasps) Gross. (laughs) What? (laughs) You just put that shit at the top of your closet? <laughs> you forgot about it? Why did I save it? Like, I put in my pregnancy hormone state when my son was born and his umbilical cord fell off. Ew. I was like, I need to keep this. Oh. And then I put it in a plastic bag. <laughs> like a Ziploc sandwich bag. You didn't even label it with, like... <laughs> no, I didn't... Well, I remember being like, I don't know why I want to keep this, but I'm going to, like... I couldn't throw it away or something. Oh, I, God. I don't fucking know. But I remember going to be- keep his scabs too, you monster. <laughs> Dude, I don't fucking know. I knew it was weird at the time, but I was like, okay, I'll deal with it later. Like, I don't want to throw it away right now. Yeah, my I'm hormones gonna- can't let me. He doesn't want this when he's older. <laughs> <laughs> I saved this for you. <laughs> and so I just evidently threw it up in the closet and I totally forgot about it. And so I found it, and I once I realized what it was, I was immediately, like, shocked at myself. Like, who the <laughs> fuck saves this? That's I was fucking crazy. Yeah. And I'm seven months pregnant now, and I went, I can't throw it away now. 
what <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> because of your hormones again yeah like i don't have the heart to throw it away i don't oh know oh my god and so i put it back up there and i was like i'll deal with this after i pop this kid out because i'm gonna throw it away uh-huh there's no way i'm gonna keep that thing i should just throw it away but in the moment when i had it in my hand i was like i can't just throw it away now do you need me to throw it away for you <laughs> well <laughs> my boss was like does your husband know <laughs> Or I think I said something like, Lee doesn't know. Like, I didn't tell Lee that I found this umbilical cord or that I kept this umbilical cord. Oh, my God. Anything. And it literally just looks like a dog treat. Like, I don't know why the fuck I have it still. Yeah, but I didn't tell him. So it's still just sitting up in the closet. (laughs) He's going to know now (laughs) if he listens. But my uh, coworkers were like, you should play a prank on Lee and tell him it's like a piece of beef jerky. Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) That is so awful. Don't do that. I would never. Oh, my but God. To, like, put it on the counter for Lee to be like, what the fuck is this? And then be like, it's his umbilical cord. <laughs> <laughs> Just put one of those, like, silica do not eat things in the Should I, I could bronze it. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. <laughs> You're such a psycho. <laughs> I was going to say, is that not some, like, fucking motherfucking serial killer shit right there? That absolutely is. Like, if you murdered a person and then they were like, we found her son's umbilical cord in his closet. I'd be like, like yeah, obviously. Yeah, obviously she killed a person. What the fuck? Who does that? Do people do that? I think people will grind them up and eat them. Oh. Or. Like the placenta? But just the umbilical cord? I know they'll do that to the placenta. I think they'll just dry the the umbilical cord and eat it like like a piece of jerky. Stop it. Why? I don't know. Try it. I'm pregnant. Maybe it's good for my baby. Do you want it? Give him some stem cells. <laughs> I don't I don't know, man. I'm not putting that thing anywhere near my mouth. Yeah, that's smart. Did it, you take it out of the bag when no, you were squishing it? No, 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 no. Oh. That is awful. And I just threw it back up there. <laughs> Saving this for later. And then yesterday when you were over at my house, I was looking for we blew up the kiddie pool mm-hmm. and I was looking for the air pump to like pump up the sides. Was it up there? Uh, I saw the corner of the bag and I was like, oh, I can't wait to tell Erin that. <laughs> She's going to judge me so hard. That is so weird. I really just need to throw it away. You do. But what's going to happen is setting up the room for the second baby. I'm going to go through my son's closet and clear everything out because half that shit's going to the baby's room now. Yeah. And I'll just throw it out then. I'm sure. I'm sure. If I can't do it, I'll call you and you can walk me through it. I, I will. Or I'll just come <laughs> over and be like, where is it? Go at? to the bathroom. <laughs> Anyway, so your bestie's a fucking psycho. Who knew? Who knew? Well, Jesus Christ. Yep. Are we ready? Goddamn. Yeah, we are. To jump into these fantastical stories? Yeah. It's your turn to go first. Ooh, okay. I'll go first. Do it. Okay, my story is about Thomas Montgomery of Clarence, New York. All right. Never heard of him. Or it. (laughs) Or the place. Well, I've heard of New York. (laughs) Yeah, I know of New York. The Big Apple, they call it. Hmm. In 2005, Thomas Montgomery was in his mid-40s, and he was married to his wife, who went by the name of Cindy. Okay. I mean, that was her name. (laughs) (laughs) Also, she went by it. (laughs) So he was married to Cindy for 16 years. All right. And had two daughters who he was totally devoted to. Good. He had worked at the same factory job for 12 years. And this factory job, I guess he would make components for power tools or whatever. So it sounds kind of like a boring job. Yeah. At first 12 fucking years. And he was beginning to like age and bald and get a little bit of a gut as you do when you turn 40. Yeah. So he was like a young spry chicken and now he's getting old. Sounds right. In People age. Yeah. Every day after work, he'd walk his dog Shadow. 
and he would take his daughter to their sporting events. Okay. This is making me chuckle because <laughs> when you were printing out the notes for me, you were like, I saw there's a dog. If this dog dies, I'm going to be fucking pissed. <laughs> I tried so hard not to read it and I caught dog and I was like, oh my God, I have to read it. And then I was like, no, I can't. <laughs> can't do it. Well, the suspense must be killing you. <laughs> it is. Also, Shadow, what kind of dog was it? Black Lab, I'm assuming. Oh, maybe. I don't know. It didn't say. Hmm. I didn't have the, the heart to dig. Yeah. Mm. Oh, God damn it. Mm. Does this dog die? The suspense must be killing you. I hate you. <laughs> so much. <laughs> anyway, so basically, uh, Thomas led a very routine, typical lifestyle, but he had a few activities that he would partake in regularly to, like, blow off some steam. One was that every Friday night, he would have poker night with the guys. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. Well, fuck, we need to start one of those. <laughs> yeah. I have to learn how to play poker. Yeah. <laughs> I need to pop out this kid so I can drink. Yeah. We could do something else. Doesn't have to be poker. Bridge, <gasps> hearts, uh, bunko, <laughs> backgammon. Can we just turn ninety already? I was thinking badminton, and I was like, "Oh, that's weird. Maybe if it's not dark out." <laughs> no, no, we don't have. Well, you have a yard for back badminton. But yeah. Okay. Anyway, so he would often participate in his works euchre tournaments. Also, oh, I love euchre. That and is fun. He would win because he was good. Mm-hmm. And he would play Texas Hold'em online on this site that was called Pogo.com. So this guy was real into card games and gambling, I'm assuming. Yep. That's how he had fun. Okay. Blow off some steam with some gambling. To each his own. Yeah. Everybody has a vice. Exactly. And this was his. So on that site, the Pogo.com, there was a chat room where he would go by the username Marine Sniper. Ooh, was he ever a Marine? He was a Marine at one time. Was like he a sniper? A few months. No, he never was a sniper. <laughs> Aw. Uh, I don't remember what he did, but it wasn't anything as cool as a sniping. Did you say he was a Marine for a few months? Yeah, it wasn't long. Oh. Like, he wasn't in the Marines for, like, years years and years. Yeah. Okay. And it was, like, when he was really young. <laughs> Okay. It's just like how my username was like surfer chick and I've been surfing like three times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Callie bitch 619. <laughs> I'm not even a bitch. <laughs> and I don't say Callie. Yeah. No. Usernames crack me the fuck up. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> While he was online in the spring of 2005, Tommy begins to stri- strike up a conversation with a user by the name of Tall Hot Blonde. So it was a short, fat brunette. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. For sure, she wasn't tall, hot, or blonde. Yeah. And he was like, oh, you're a tall, hot, blonde? I'm a marine sniper. <laughs> exactly. So this tall, hot, blonde was a 17-year-old girl from West Virginia whose name he later learned was Jessica, but she went by the name Jesse. Okay. Jesse? Jesse? He tells Jesse that he's an 18-year-old boy named Tommy who is a sniper in the Marines, and he's scheduled to be stationed in Iraq. Very big sob story. Yep. He tells her that he's a black belt in karate. He has bullet scars on his arms and legs and that he has thick red hair. And he's six foot, two inches tall, weighs 190 pounds, and has a nine-inch dick. <laughs> well, he sounds like quite the package. <laughs> thick red hair, though, would have gotten me. Yeah, like it's like saying that the mascara is waterproof. You're instantly like, this shit ain't waterproof, mm-hmm. is it? Yeah, why are you, why is a boy saying he has thick hair? Yeah. It's because he's balding and he's yeah. like, I wish my hair was he thick. He doesn't have thick hair. Yeah. And I bet his dick ain't nine inches either. Probably not. <laughs> also, any guy who, well, I guess, I don't know the standard for this, but I was going to say, any guy who actually knows the measurement of his dick is a tool. Like, who um, really pulls out a fucking ruler? But then guys are really into their dicks, so. Guys are really into know. their dicks, but also I'm pretty sure every single guy in the world has measured his dick. I'm sure. 
But like now, like as an adult, does it change? No. <laughs> so I, don't think so. I don't think so. Can I really imagine, don't. <laughs> can you imagine if chicks measured their like labia <laughs> or like their clit? Like I got a fucking three centimeter, centimeter clit. <laughs> I measured it. That's so <laughs> gross. <sighs> then again, girls have to measure their boob size for their bras, so. Oh, that's true. I guess that's like our dicks. Yeah. It's kind of the same. Yeah. Same thing, but different. Mm-hmm. So the two of them begin to befriend each other, and they start talking every night. They eventually fall in love and become an online couple very quickly. Okay. As you did in the early 2000s. Um, I will also say, back onto this dick measuring thing. Yeah, yeah. Is it, I think the part that's more tool-ish yeah. is, like, the guy that brags about oh, it. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I guess I should like, finish that thought. Like, no one cares what you do in your private life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, everybody has measured it, but if you're going around like, I'm a fucking nine-inch dick, it's like, well, fuck you. First no of all, cares. no, you're not. Second of all, no one cares. No one cares. Stop measuring your dick, weirdo. Third of all, ow. How many people are listening right now measuring their dick? <laughs> they're just, they happen to have their, their ruler out and the headphones in and they're like, oh, I guess are they watching us? I haven't figured this out in a while, so let's see if it changed. Right? Exactly. Oh. Maybe you're a grower. Yeah. Not a shower. Yeah. So you have to measure it at all different times. Yeah. Like, is that flaccid? Probably not. You know, Is it raging not. hard? <laughs> That's a rager for sure. Is it all veiny and mad? <laughs> okay. Enough. All right. Anyway, okay, so they fall in love. They become a couple quickly online. Tommy continues to tell Jesse lies about his identity and his past mm-hmm. to make that like his life sound way more interesting than it really is. And, like, fucking 40 years younger. Yeah, exactly. And, like, to keep Jesse's interest mm-hmm. <laughs> and to keep her, like, swooning over him. Mm-hmm. So he tells her that when he was 12 years old, his mother died of cancer and that his father was also a military man. Okay. He claims that when he was 17, so only a year prior to this conversation, because he's supposed to be 18 years old, right? Yeah. He says that when he was 17, he had raped a cheerleader, and his life became so messed up that he decided to join the Marines to straighten it out. Who would admit to that? Uh, Why would that be a way to gain someone's, like, admiration? Yeah. (laughs) Like, Like, if he's making this shit up, then why would he... Pick something Why would else? you pick that? Yeah. Be like, my mom died and I was super sad, so I joined the Marines to get my life together. I was drinking a bunch or something stupid. But yeah, not yeah. like you raped someone. Jesus I saved a Christ. dog from a burning building and realized I'm a hero and needed to join the military. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I couldn't sleep at night. You know, like, come on. <laughs> not fucking you raped someone. Jesus Christ. Yeah, people. that's a little fucking intense. Also, as that chick, I'd be like, well, bye. Yeah. I guess Jesse says, like, later on, she's like, oh, I just thought, like, he was a troubled man, and he needed someone to, uh, like, yeah, let me save him, basically, yeah, right? Yeah, like classic fixer-upper. Exactly. He also tells her that he was training to be a sniper in the Marines, and that in June 2005, he was going to be sent to Iraq. So he, like, gives her more details, like, oh, I'm training to be a sniper right now, and they're going to send me to Iraq, and hopefully I make it, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And throughout their relationship, he ends up going to Iraq, so he's gone for, like, periods of time. Okay. And... He would say, like, oh, I have limited access to the internet. I can't really talk right now. Like, I can only talk during these times because I'm in Iraq. And <laughs> Remember how I'm in Iraq? Remember how I'm still here and I'm, like, a fucking hero? So what What Tommy did, or what Thomas did, it's kind of confusing. I'm you can call him to... Tommy. Okay. <laughs> what Tommy did was he created a second user account on his website to pretend that he was Tommy's father. Okay. So that he could continue to talk to Jesse, even though Tommy was in Iraq. 
Like, this guy is fucking deep into the story. Why would Jesse be like, okay, I'll talk to your dad. Let me talk to your dad. I don't know, but she fucking would. He'd message Jesse as the father and would talk about his son with her. And she would say how much she loved him. And supposedly this quote-unquote father would help pass the message to Tommy in Iraq for her. Like, tell Tommy I love him and I'm waiting for him and I can't wait for him to get out. And he'd be like, I'll tell my son that for you, Jesse. I would never tell my boyfriend's dad any of those things. No, that's weird. I'd be like, tell him I said, sup. Yeah. <laughs> like, Loser. Yeah. I'll, I'll uh, probably be around. Or like, I don't need to talk to you. I'll just talk to him when I can. Yeah. Have him call me. If you hear from him, tell him I'd like to talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's fucking weird. So Thomas even told Jesse under the father's user profile that if she wanted to send Tommy any presents or letters or care packages to him, that she should send it to the quote-unquote father because he had connections in Iraq and he could get the packages to Tommy quicker. Oh. Because he didn't have an address in Iraq. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. I can't believe people fall for this shit. Yeah. It's so fucking stupid. Yeah, but she's supposedly 17. Yeah, and I guess this is 2005, so it's like the beginning of, well, like, late 90s were probably the beginning of, like, super chat room explosion. Yeah. But you're still young but and But you naive. were still stupid enough to give people your information online. Yeah. Oh, my God. Or your fucking address. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> Mail this to me. Jesus Christ. I was thinking, when you said information, I was like, yeah, age, whatever. ASL. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> age, sex, location. <laughs> that is what that stands for. <laughs> Let me say it like a robot. <laughs> so when Jesse and Tommy would talk, it would always be Tommy telling her stories of his hardship in his life. And they were always made up. They were always lies. And it would draw Jesse in and she would like shower him with love and affection. Like he told her one time that he was going to commit suicide in Iraq. And she talked him out of it by making him promise to stay alive for her. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Anytime he would, like, feel lonely and need affection, he'd make up one of these stories, and she'd just, like, be like, no, like, don't feed do into it. it. Yeah, exactly. Feed into it. As they began to grow closer and closer together, they started to send each other pictures of themselves, and Jessie would often send somewhat suggestive photos of her running her fingers through her hair, or in a bikini by the pool, or in, like, really short skirts. Mm-hmm. And she, if she couldn't talk to Tommy, she would send them to Tommy's dad, like Tommy's dad's account, to have him send them to Tommy, which is fucking weird. Like, you're already like, it's weird that they're talking to yeah. each other through the dad. Like, I wouldn't tell the dad all that. And she's sending, like, suggestive photos of herself to the dad to send to Tommy. No, that's gross. Yeah, it's fucking weird. Not that she's, like, nudie or anything, but still, it's like, no, send him this still. picture of me. He knows what you're doing. Yeah. Because he's an adult. Yes. So I wouldn't like do my that. My son's going to jerk off to this in Iraq. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me send him some jerk off material. Ugh. Put that in the spank bank. Hey, yo. Tommy and Jesse even had a little saying that they would tell each other. Mm -hmm. And their saying was always and forever. And Tommy told her that he had tattooed it on his arm with a heart with her name in it. Oh. This sounds like really intense. Which, by the way, if you're sending pictures, I'd be like, send me a picture of that tattoo. I don't believe your ass. Yeah, yeah, but also if you were like a, a naive 17-year-old, you'd just be like, send me a picture of that tattoo. I really want to see it because I love you so hard. Yeah, and then Not, you'd be like, I don't believe your ass yeah, because you're a true. skeptical fucking 30-something. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but then when he wouldn't send it, I'd be like, that's weird. He didn't get that tattoo, did he? Oh, yeah, for sure. But also, <laughs> you're smart. 
Yeah, that's true. And you're not 17. That's very true. I feel like I was very dumb when I was 17. Oh, yeah, that is very true. Your cat's about to drink your water. Hey, you shit. <laughs> He's like, damn it. In return, Jessie would, like, send videos to Tommy of, picture, like, picture montages of herself. And they were set to songs like Aerosmith's I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. Oh, my God. Do you remember when those were huge? Back in the day, like, people, I mean, they're still kind of a big thing, but people would put those, like, picture montages mm-hmm. and they'd, like, zoom in and they'd be like, I don't want to wait <laughs> for our lives. Fade to the next picture and it's a baby. To be over. <laughs> yeah, and now you only see them at weddings and funerals. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so she'd send him those all the time. <laughs> oh, my God. Eventually, the that two- he would play on his VCR in fucking, fucking wherever. Iraq. Yeah, I don't right. know. Well, I mean, he probably just played on the computer. I guess. I think YouTube was a thing in 2005. Yeah, I think it was. It definitely was. (laughs) (laughs) Eventually, the two got into their first argument when Tommy became convinced that Jesse was sending these provocative photos to other men. Like, her photos, her provocative photos, that she was sending them to other men on the internet. Uh And he became really jealous. And Jesse ultimately admits that she had been doing that. Yeah, I've been sending them to your dad. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, right. Your dad seems to like them. (laughs) Ew. Ew, so gross. (laughs) And so she admits that that's what she was doing and she apologizes. And she wins the argument by mailing Tommy a pair of her undies. Gross. Which was a pair of G-strings. Just one. I was like, how many? (laughs) There were a pair, two of them. (laughs) That sentence is all kinds of fucked up. Yeah. A pair. It was a pair of (laughs) G-string. Yeah. It was a G-string. How about that? There you go. And a key on a chain with the inscription, key to my heart. Oh. And so he was like, thanks for the undies. I'm going to jerk off to these in Iraq. Gross. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if he was still in Iraq. I'm not quite sure. Meanwhile, fucking Thomas is actually this old man that has. This 45-year-old man. That has a wife and kids. Yes. And is getting used panties at home. Yes. Children's used panties. Yeah. She's a child. Yeah. Used undies. G-string. That's gross. Yeah. So the two make up from that argument because he's like, ooh, I forgive you. But Tommy's fake online father, which was also Thomas, <laughs> would message Jesse and express how he hadn't forgiven her for what she had done to his son. I guess they talked about it. For some reason, the father knows about this little thing about Jesse sending her pictures to other men. I, too, need a pair of panties. <laughs> to win me over. Yeah. Ew, that's so gross. So Jesse gets upset and is like, hey, Tommy let it go. Like, why can't you let it go? Yeah. And the father replies, because you will hurt him and he's an idiot and he'll believe you're lying ass. So, like, now the father's, like, verbally abusing this guy, this chick. Yeah. But regardless of this tension between the father and Jesse, Tommy and Jesse continue their online relationship. And by December of 2005, Tommy proposes to Jesse. And so they'd only been talking online for like eight months. And they've never met in person. And they've never met in person. And, and he, then he mailed her a ring. I'm not quite sure how <laughs> the proposal went Did he take a picture of up. it? You think he just typed it like, will you marry me? Probably. And then like sent it with a wave file. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to wait. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Okay. So she accepts the proposal and he sends flowers to her. And Jesse sends Tommy another pair of undies. And... Also, a set of engraved dog tags with their names on it, like matching dog tags. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Did she keep hers? I don't fucking know. (laughs) 
Maybe it's just like two dog tags and they each have one of their names on it. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Maybe. It'd be like if I sent you both parts of a best friend necklace. <laughs> I'd be so offended. <laughs> like, do you just break up with me? <laughs> That's how I'm going to do it one day. Oh, no. I mean, I seriously thought that umbilical cord story you are going to break up with me over. <laughs> I'll go get the necklace. <laughs> Instead, you're like, I'll throw it away for you. I will. See, I won't I throw away this friendship. <laughs> I'd hide a body for you. I won't hide your psycho- psychotic fucking episodes from everyone. Except for I just shared it with everybody who listens to this podcast. Yeah, I'm okay with world. it. I'm okay with it. I'm sure somebody out there has done the same fucking thing. I can't be the only one. No. And I'm, I'm like 99% sure that some people eat them. So. Yeah. That's weird. Which is gross. Someone's going to mail us and be like, tell Stacy to eat that shit. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you've ever eaten one, let us know what it was like. Yeah. Maybe it tastes like turkey jerky. Gross. I don't want to eat anything I make from my body. Yeah. Yeah. Not no, like cook. <laughs> I agree with that statement. <laughs> like anything that is from my body, I'd like to not eat. Yeah. Although I did taste my breast milk. Gross. <laughs> it's not like I drank a whole glass of it or anything, but I wanted to know what it tasted like. Oops, and it, I accidentally put it in my cereal. <laughs> <laughs> it tastes like cereal milk. It's sweet. Ugh. Anyway, back to Tommy and Jesse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All is grand in the world and Tommy is due to return from Iraq soon. And the two were anticipating their first night together as they were finally going to meet in person. Oh, shit. And now they're engaged, right? Yeah. So Jesse would often talk about how when they met, it was going to be so beautiful because it'll be her first time ever having intercourse. <gasps> and she was still a virgin and she was so excited to be his wife. How many fucking red flags can we get from this lady? Right? <laughs> Do you think she is who she says she is? I, I mean, I guess you know the answer. I do. You do? Yeah. I do think that she is a naive 17-year-old who is it probably... all the fucking time. Yeah. Maybe yeah. she's not a virgin. Maybe she's lying about that. I don't really know. But probably she's just way too in over her head. I mean, 16 virgin, that's not that far off. Yeah. I mean, that's not that far off. No, but... No, it isn't. But it's also just like... But if you're sending Creepy. Me- it creeps me out that like there's this... 45 year old man online he's talking to this girl that's still a virgin and they're engaged and it's nasty it's real nasty so while this online romance was blooming thomas in real life was consumed by it he would like brag to all his friends at work that he was talking to this chick online and that they were super in love and that she was smoking hot and he was gonna leave his wife and move to west virginia to be with jesse like, he was open about it to all his friends. Yeah, but he probably didn't tell them that she was a fucking teenager. Oh, probably not. I don't know how many details. By the way, did I mention I'm a pedophile? Yeah, did I mention that I, she sends her undies to me? Blech. Yeah, he probably did mention that. He probably, probably. showed people. Yeah, And they're like, like, why are they so small? <laughs> <laughs> She's real tiny. Gross. Okay. Yuck. Okay, so on New Year's Eve, or on New Year's, not the Eve, mm-hmm. Thomas wrote down his New Year's resolution for himself. To be less fucking pedophile <laughs> Pedophilic? Yeah. Which read, on January 2nd, 2006, Tom Montgomery, 46 years old, he wrote in parentheses, ceases to exist and is replaced by 18-year-old battle-scarred Marine. He is moving to West Virginia to be with the love of his life. He wrote this on a piece of paper for himself as a resolution. That's not a resolution. And That's then, a fucking psychosis. Yeah. He, like, must have kept a journal or something because the note was, like, obviously found later. And more of the note said, I, I guess this is a couple days later or something, I wish I would know the exact time I would change to the new Tom to prepare for it. Like, 
How does he think that he's going to actually do that? It's not a fucking Cinderella story. This isn't a goddamn magical pumpkin. Like, no. At midnight, your fucking chariot turns into a pumpkin or vice versa or whatever. Like, what does he think is going to fucking happen? Who's going to believe that? Like, oh, remember how I told you I was this in-shape 18-year-old? Yeah. This is fucking out-of-shape 45-year-old balding man. Is he going to get hair plugs? Is he going to get back into what shape? What the fuck? I don't know. And, like, they're going to meet and she's going to know. Yeah. What's your fucking plan, dude? Yeah. Your oh skin God. is different than an 18-year-old. To me, this part of the story is like, oh, this doesn't... I mean, everything is crazy, but I'm like, oh, this explains his mental health perfectly. Yeah. Like, the fact that he's writing something down and he thinks it's going to come to fruition, but it's not just, like, a goal. Like, I'm going to set up this fucking she shed <laughs> by the end of the year. It's yeah. like, I'm going to be a totally different human being and I'm going to reverse age. That's not a thing. Something. How do you, like, get Benjamin Button's disease? <laughs> I don't think you can catch it. It's not Damn. polio. <laughs> Fucking vaccines. <laughs> oh, man. Always hold me back from my dreams. Oh, my God. So Cindy, Thomas's wife, she begins to notice that he's on the computer all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And eventually one of Thomas's daughters finds the chat history between <gasps> Tommy and Jesse, and she shows her mom. How old are the daughters? Probably the same age as fucking Jesse. Oh, I think they were like 12 and 14, so pretty fucking close. Gross. Yeah. Or somewhere around there. It might have been like between 9 and 12 or 12 and 14, something like that. Yeah. The part that I don't get about any pedophile shit like this that have daughters especially that are similar or close in age, or even if they're not. It's like, it's your fucking daughter. What if, what if someone did that to your daughter? How would you oh feel? Oh my God. Like, I don't understand where the disconnect comes it's in. It's so mind-blowing. Yeah. But that's just a side that. note. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Okay, so Cindy begins to dig around, and she finds all these letters that Jesse had sent and the undies that she had sent and all the little memorabilia and everything. And so she's like, what the actual fuck? Mm -hmm. My 45-year-old husband is mailing a 16, 17-year-old, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so she decides that she's going to spill the beans to Jesse and let her know who she's really been talking (gasps) to. And so Good the way her. I know the way Cindy does this is she sends Jesse a picture of the whole family, like a family portrait, and it included the forty-five-year-old aging, balding Thomas with his two daughters and the wife, along with a note explaining that he's not who he says he is, and was asking, like, asked her, "Are you really sixteen or seventeen? Because if so, he could be prosecuted as a child predator, and that she should be careful about who she talks to online because." Yeah. Obviously, you got fucking hoodwinked, right? Yeah. So she was being nice and, like, doing the good thing. Also kind of, like, slick about it. Like, fuck this guy. Look yeah, what he's yeah. doing, right? So Jesse gets the letter and is, like, totally outraged and confused. And she's not sure who or, like, what to believe. Like, is this true? Is somebody just out to get her? Like, is someone lying to her? No. It's like a jealous person? No. Yeah. So I guess throughout this whole online relationship, Jesse had befriended another user in the chat room who went by the name Beefcake. <laughs> and he was Thomas's friend and also Thomas's real-life co-worker at the factory job. Okay. So Beefcake was a 22-year-old man who went by the name Brian Barrett, and he would talk with Jesse as Thomas's friend. I don't know what they would fucking talk about or how Beefcake didn't spill the beans sooner that he wasn't who yeah. he said he was or whatever, but for some reason they were friends, right? Yeah. So Jesse gets this letter from Cindy. She doesn't know who to believe, so she goes and talks to Beefcake. And so she asks Beefcake, like, hey, is what I just heard about Tommy, is this true? And so Beefcake admits, like, yeah, he's really, 
like a 46 year old man he works at this factory with me this is what he looks like he's not who he says he is oh shit yeah so basically she's getting catfished yeah she gets real pissed and turns to brian for comfort and starts to flirt with brian well at least they're closer in age yes they are a little bit closer way closer (laughs) the two began to engage in like picture exchanging and love notes and they start to publicly bash thomas online oh shit in the little forums that they're all hanging out on and they say that he's a pedophile and a liar and they even get him banned from one of the chat rooms what the hell is Thomas doing all this time? Well, Thomas was, like, reading all of this online, and he was getting pe- pissed and, like, super jealous and everything. Yeah. And I think he, like, admits to being who he is or whatever, but, like, to lying. Yeah. He admits to lying, but they broke up, and so he's just mad and watching all of this unfold. Okay. And so they get him. And he hasn't, like, killed his wife yet or anything, right? No. <laughs> he hasn't done anything crazy yet. That's good. Yet. Anything more crazy. Yeah off his fucking rocker Mm -hmm. but just but for the record like they get him kicked out of these chat rooms i later found out that these chat rooms were all designated for teenagers gross teen chat rooms what a fucking terrible idea to have teen chat rooms well how are you gonna find fucking pedophiles quicker yeah that's true label something a teen chat room yeah (laughs) none of them are teens in there pedophile bait (laughs) yeah oh my gosh so back in the real life IRL, Thomas and Brian work together at the factory and Thomas begins ranting and raving about how pissy he is that Brian basically stole his chick, right? Yeah. And so he keeps making threatening comments and gets like super violent outbursts and stuff at work. So much so that the his coworkers were like joking one day and one of them came to work with a bulletproof vest on as a joke, like gotta wear this because Thomas is gonna freak out and kill us all uh to like make light of his rage i don't know it's fucking weird (laughs) first of all though he had a bulletproof vest (laughs) yeah i know that's what i was thinking but then there's probably a lot of people that have that kind of shit and we just don't because we're like we live in san diego (laughs) there's no hunting or yeah i guess i don't know it's weird you don't need a bulletproof vest for hunting no you just need an orange one (laughs) (laughs) like don't shoot me please yeah i'm over here (laughs) (laughs) look i'm unlike nature yeah especially at a factory job like maybe if they were cops or you know yeah that's true i don't know why he had it and it's a weird joke but anyway he was so violent it was obvious enough other people saw that he had violent tendencies yeah so brian didn't help matters because at work he would like boast about the new relationship openly to his co-workers and this would like add fuel to the fire yes they're just being dicks over some random online girl <laughs> Thomas would still sign in to those chat rooms and harass Jesse, saying, like, how could she be with Brian? And, like, how dare you? And all this shit. And Jesse would admit that she missed and loved Tommy still. And Thomas would say shit like, Tommy is still alive in my heart for my love for you. And, like, Ugh. yeah, they, it was weird. Like, he would be abusive, like, verbally abusive. And then she'd be like, I just miss what we had. And then he would be like, I still love you gross sounds really bad yeah so jesse eventually tells thomas that she's gonna break things off with brian and so that her and thomas can be together Ugh, gross and even though she says all this she never actually breaks things off with brian so she was like maintaining two online relationships as you do online and (laughs) as you do online (laughs) you sell that yeah well i I mean i guess she's not even like boning any of them so it doesn't matter right really matter she would engage in, like, sexy talk online with Brian. Mm-hmm. And this is a quote. Can I kiss something long and hard? <laughs> <laughs> she is oh 16, God. 17. I know. 
So Thomas eventually finds out about these conversations and he gets like fucking raging pissed because they were supposed to be together. Yeah. And so he would harass her online and threaten to post her address for everyone to see. And she would continue to engage in fucking conversation with him and like talk him off the ledge and say how much she still loved him and missed him and planned to break things off with Brian still, blah, 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 blah. It was like this like vicious cycle. Yeah. So in late 2006, she again claims to break up with Brian and Thomas later find out that she didn't and that she lied and he started to threaten her again. And this time, Jesse didn't engage in conversation. She just went radio silent on his ass. Okay. And Thomas gets really pissed. Then on September 13th, he IMs her at 1.30 in the morning saying, You're a whore and that's all you'll ever be. Oh, rude. Yeah, super fucking rude. And she doesn't say anything back. The next day, he wrote, Hey, whore, you suck your boyfriend Brian's cock today? No, because she's never met any of them. Yeah, they're fucking exactly. Like, through the internet? No, I didn't. Fuck off. <laughs> so, on September 15th, Thomas calls her and screams at her on the phone. Oh, I forgot to mention, they would talk on the phone inter- intermittently. Like, when he was in Iraq and shit, they would talk between mm. specific hours, and he'd say, like, okay, I have five minutes to talk because I have access to a phone. Yeah. So they heard each other's voice and shit. So okay. they knew that they were, like, real people. Yeah. But she couldn't, like, tell that he wasn't 18 by his voice. No. Yeah, she just knew that he wasn't a lady, I guess. But also, they have each other's addresses and each other's phone numbers. Creepy. And wouldn't she know, like, you're not dialing a fucking international number? Maybe he called her. Maybe. And she didn't have caller ID. Yeah, maybe. That's probably a good point. So he screams at her. And then, I guess she, like, hangs up the phone. And later that night, around 10 p.m., Brian, a.k.a. Beefcake had clocked out of his shift at work and he was walking to his truck to head home and as he closed the door on his vehicle three shots were fired into his neck and upper arm from the driver's side window and brian died instantly (gasps) jesus yeah and he was shot with a 30 caliber rifle and at the scene there was like this leather cartridge holder and a peach pit that was like the evidence at the scene okay or around the scene or whatever it was collected into evidence. Mm-hmm. Everyone immediately was like, uh, I know who fucking did it. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas, he's crazy. I wore a fucking bulletproof vest to work one time as a joke. We all knew he was going to do this, right? Yeah. He hated Brian. And as the cops processed the scene, they noticed that Brian had Jesse's phone number in his phone. And so they call Jesse and they're like, hey, because the cops are, everybody's like, oh, yeah, they were in like this love triangle, right? Like Brian was dating Thomas's ex-girl, whatever. Yeah. They had some beef. And so they find Jesse's number. And cakes. <laughs> so they find Jesse's number and they call her and they're like, hey, yo, you need to be aware you might be in danger because Brian was just murdered and we think Thomas did it. And we don't have him in custody. And we don't know where he is. And so they call her local police in West Virginia and they send a cop to go check out and make sure she's okay. Mm-hmm. When they arrive, they arrive to a dingy home next to an auto parts dealer and Jesse's mother, Mary, answers the door. And she explains that Jesse isn't home right now and that there's, like, no way that she can contact her. Oh, my God. And as the cops continue to question Mary about Jesse and everything, <gasps> he starts to notice that she's behaving kind of strange. Is Mary Jesse? The more questions he asked about Jesse, the more uncomfortable and nervous that Mary would get. And she eventually broke down and came clean. <gasps> 
that Mary was actually Jesse. Isn't that fucking crazy? What? Mary was actually Jesse and had been having an online romance with both Thomas and Brian by using her daughter's fucking identity and her photos and would use those to lure men in. Oh and, my like, God. Have online relationships. What a creep. I got hoodwinked. I got hoodwinked too. That's why I wanted to do the story. I told you I was everybody I was telling Aaron yesterday because we hung out and we're talking about like oh did you get your research done and I was like my story isn't my typical story where I talk a lot about like the murder or something it's more about like the story behind it that I'm like oh I didn't see this shit coming yeah okay so she's like hey I'm actually Jesse I've been playing Jessie. My daughter's name is Jessie, and this is really her photos and everything, but I've been doing the online shit. Oh, my God. What a creep. What a fucking creep. So. How old is she? She's going to be in her 40s, too, then, right? This is what's crazy. Mary was the total opposite of a tall, hot blonde. Yeah. <laughs> she was a plump 45-year-old wife and mother of two with short brown hair. Uh. And, I mean, like, her and Thomas could be a perfect match. They both weren't very attractive. Oh, no. <laughs> So meanwhile, the investigate like while the investigation was taking place to like prove that Thomas had did it and all that shit to gather evidence, the investigators were questioning Thomas. And in the middle of questioning Thomas, he had mentioned how like I guess they must have found him at work or something. And they're mm-hmm. like, "Yo, some crazy shit went down. Can you tell me anything about it?" And he's like, mm, "I don't know what's going on here." But then he says to them, "Like, hey, I need to go out to my car and get my lunch because I have peaches in it and I don't <gasps> want them to spoil." And the investigators were like, that's interesting that you like peaches. Because at the crime scene, there was a peach pit found. Bum, 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 bum. And so they test it, and it has Thomas's DNA all over it. <laughs> and then that leather cartridge holder that was found at the scene also had dog hair on it. And that dog hair was Shadow's <gasps> hair, Thomas's dog. Okay. Yeah, so they're like, all right, motherfucker, you're not we very have... good at hiding shit. And we know you did it. Yeah. Not that this was a hard-ass case to solve or anything, but there was substantial evidence that Thomas was given. So there was substantial evidence that he had done it, and he was given 20 years in prison. That's it? Yeah. I don't know why. What? How? He'll be like 65. Yeah, that's 66. not even that bad. Yeah. Actually, I didn't really find that much about his trial or sentencing or anything. It must have been pretty cut and dry. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he got 20 years in prison. Wow. So obviously Cindy, his wife, was like... I'm going to fucking divorce you. Yeah. And his children don't want anything to do with him. Good. And as for Mary, a.k.a. Jesse, she legally had done nothing wrong and was not prosecuted for anything. I mean, yeah. She, yeah, she didn't do any. I guess. She was just catfishing, which is shitty, but. Yeah, but holy shit. But she used her fucking daughter's information. That's where I think you could get prosecuted for something. Yeah, that's like fraud or whatever. It's yeah. gross. Also, why did she have pictures of her daughter in short skirts and stuff? I, I was thinking maybe social media, like MySpace or some shit. Yeah. So, why was she said Whose underwear was she actually sending? I don't want to know. Gross. Mary claims that she had joined Pogo.com to blow off steam. And when she created a paid account, it was only then, after she had paid for it, that she realized that the account was created under her daughter's profile and not her own. Mm-hmm. And so she just never... Just went with it? Yeah, she never fixed it. And because of this, it directed her to the teen chat room instead of to, like, an adult chat room. 
<laughs> so it was just all an accident. All, all a big misunderstanding. All a misunderstanding. I'm sure. She said that she never intended for anyone to fall in love with her or to kill for her. And that she was never in love with any of them. She claims that she's happily married to her husband of 25 years. And that Tommy just needed attention. And so she continued to engage with him to keep him from doing harm from her, from himself. And eventually to her actual daughter. Like he, she says, she started to get afraid of him. So why did you give him your address? Well, fucking right. Or your phone number. Exactly. Like, I don't believe this lady at no. all. No. She got caught up in it and then was like, oops. Yep, let I me made make up mistake. all these lies. Yeah. Oh my god, how pissed would you be as the daughter? Or the husband. Or all of them. I know, and they're still together. They're Gross. still married. Yeah. So Brian's family, a.k.a. Beefcake's family, they petitioned to enact laws in the future that make Mary's actions illegal so that this doesn't happen to someone else. So I don't know what that exactly means because obviously she didn't pull the trigger she didn't tell him to like kill for her or anything but i would think it's more of like you can't lie about who you are online even though people do it all the time yeah you're never gonna be able to police that that. Yeah. yeah like in a perfect world yeah no one would lie about it but at the same time i don't want people to know who i am on like reddit or whatever yeah like exactly not that i'm taking someone else's identity and using that but i'm not giving an identity i'd like to stay anonymous yeah yeah that's yeah. weird. Isn't that so weird? That sucks. That's fucked up. I feel so bad for fucking Brian, man. Yeah, poor like Beefcake. Even, even if he was being a dick going around bragging about it or whatever, he doesn't deserve to die. No, exactly. And it's a fake online relationship. They hadn't even met each other. It's that's. Uh, How do you think he would feel to know that she was like a 45-year-old plump aging woman right and that's why he died like that's why you died yeah and he actually used real photos of himself like he was the only one being honest about who he was that sucks isn't that crazy poor guy poor guy (laughs) could you imagine thomas after he finds out oh she wasn't even really oh i know i would love to know that story i guess i guess when they were investigating him for brian's death they still hadn't revealed that she had lied about who she was so I don't know what his reaction was. I didn't oh my read anything on that, but that'd be interesting. Yeah. Like, he finds he's out, mad? he's like, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. I just killed a guy. Oh my God. Can you imagine? Thomas killed a guy. How could, <laughs> how could you like love someone so much that I you've guess, never met? That you've never met and that you're so jealous over that you would kill for? That's some crazy action. I don't next know. Level shit. Especially like, I don't know. I guess it's the idea of the person at that point though. Yeah. Because it's, it's whatever you want. It's like in a book. You know, you're reading a book and you're like, oh, but this main character, like, you only know certain parts of it. But obviously you fill in parts in your head. Yeah. And you, like, you can Make create. it how you want it to be. Yeah. You can create this perfect person. Yeah. Which is probably what he's kind of doing. Or yeah, but all to doing. know, like, if you step back and look at that, to know that while you're talking online, that's the pinnacle of it all. It doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. And in your head, you're like, once we meet, it's going to get better. But it doesn't because you're not real people. And also, even if you are real people, people are different. Like, you have time to change who you want to be when you're typing it out. Yeah. When you're with someone or living with someone, it's who you are. Yeah. People are all flawed. We all censor our flaws. Yeah. (laughs) And you can only hold in crazy for, like, three months. Solid three months. Before shit just starts going awry but you're already trapped at three months when you're living together like you have your names on the accounts for like the fucking yeah but no one should be living together after just three months of meeting a person that's true that'd be weird people do i know but it's too much too fast well goddamn right all right stacy all right aaron give me your fucking story i will so aggressive i know every time 
I don't know what other word to use. <laughs> Fuck is my go-to word. <laughs> Mine too. It's a good uh, all-around, like, everything so, word. So aggressive. I want an everything bagel. Oh, my God. That sounds so good. Well, all right. Anyway. My story is about a man named Larry Eiler. Okay. Okay. Larry was born in Crawfordsville, Indiana on December 21st in 1952. He was the youngest of four kids, and his parents got divorced when he was little. He dropped out of high school in his senior year and eventually got his GED. Okay. He went to college on and off from 1974 to 1978, but he never earned a degree. Those are like the fun college years. When right? everybody's like 70s? doing drugs and shit. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds fun. But he never got a degree, so apparently he partied too hard. Yeah, he was doing all those fun things. <laughs> yeah. And then he moved to Chicago. All right, and Chicago. Now we're in Chicago. And then he joined a mob. <laughs> the mob. The mob. Just the one. Not a mob. He became a house painter. Oh. So close. <laughs> But he also started to struggle with being gay at this point. Okay. And he was known in the gay community as being good-looking, but having a hot temper. Ooh, so he was haughty. Ho ho, yes. <laughs> he also... I like how all the stories we pick with gay men, they're like, it described as like, haughty. <laughs> yeah, he was a bitch. <laughs> but this is just a hot temper, so okay. I don't know, maybe okay. he's just like aggressive, right? Yeah, yeah. So he also started to take sex where he could... I will take gay sex where I can. Sometimes forcefully. Once. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He was known for projecting violence during sex. Oh, okay. Yeah. So not as great. Yeah. That's why he has that, that reputation. Yeah. And also, it sounds like it's kind of a pretty tight community if you're known for, like, what you do during sexy time. Absolutely. Well, I imagine the gay community in, like, the early 80s yeah. was a pretty tight-knit community. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel like it still is now, but we live in a big city, so. Yeah, that's true. So, that's all the preliminary shit. And okay. now, and now the nitty-gritty. Yeah, now bodies start popping up <laughs> in the area. Shouldn't laugh at that. No. <laughs> On March 22nd, 1982, a man named Jay Reynolds was found stabbed to death in Lexington, Kentucky. Okay. And then on October 3rd, 1982, a 14 year old boy named Delvoid Baker's body was found strangled on the side of the road in Indianapolis. Ooh. Obviously, He's we know. Around. Yeah. They're pretty close in area distance, I guess. Yeah. But we know that this guy, Larry, did this because I am telling you this story now. Yeah. So it's just going to kind of seem like a list of bodies for a moment, but it gets different. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. And then on October 23rd, 1982, 19-year-old Stephen Crockett was found in Lowell, Indiana. He had been stabbed 32 times, and he had blunt force trauma to the head. Jesus Christ, 32 times? Yeah, that's too many times. These are like aggressive, intimate Hot-tempered, some yeah. might say. Some might say. So then on October 12th, 1982, a man named Craig was taken hostage by another man driven across the state line into Indiana. He was drugged and stabbed. Oh, God. And then he was dumped near Lowell, Indiana. Okay. Craig was taken to the hospital, but before police could finish their investigation, he fled. Oh, shit. What? After being stabbed, he fled the hospital? Yeah, he was like, Chris, I'm out of here. He didn't do anything wrong, though. He got stabbed. I don't know. Maybe he was, like, gay or on drugs or something or didn't want to be found out yeah exactly okay during that time i guess they had found larry and arrested him uh -huh. but then when craig ran 
they hadn't finished their investigation or anything, and so they're like, we don't actually have anything to pin this. Yeah, like, they, obviously Craig's not going to press charges because he yeah, ran. Yeah, exactly. And so they they released Larry. Oh, shit. Did they suspect Larry of the other stabbings? No. Okay. Not at this point. Okay. So then on November 6, 1982, Robert Foley's body was found in a field in Illinois. Okay. And then Christmas 1982, 25-year-old John Johnson's body was found in Belshaw, Indiana. Jesus Christ. And on December 28, 1982, 21-year-old John Roach was found near Belleville. And the still-tied-up body of Stephen Agin was found north of Newport, Indiana. Those were found on the same day. So then, five more bodies were found, but they have yet to be identified. They were found in the spring of 1983, mostly around Illinois. And, like, to this day, no one knows who they are? Yeah. Oh, my God. So... Were they all similar? Like, stabbings, tied up, whatever? Yep. So they were all roughly the same method of death, which was being stabbed or strangled, tied up, and... The murders were becoming more gruesome at this point. Oh, God. Some of the bodies had been disemboweled. Oy. And so I far... They were dead when that happened. I fucking hope so. Oh, my God. So far, there have been 12 bodies found. Like, that's the count that we're at right now. Oh, holy shit. Okay? Your stories always have huge body counts. I know. And then I feel so bad because I'm like, and then this body, and then that body, and then this body, <laughs> and then that body. But I'm like, just get through the bodies, and then I can tell you about the story. <laughs> I, we're so fucking morbid for laughing. Like, get through the bodies. I know. <laughs> I know. I don't mean to laugh, but... I know. We know. all get it. Listen, we're all here for a reason. Yeah. We get our humor. Yeah. We know what's happening. So, Larry was still being considered as a suspect on account of the hospital incident. Okay. So, they're like, mm, I got a guy who's a little suspicious who might yeah. stab somebody. Mm-hmm. But they just didn't have any, like, physical evidence on, on him, so they how, couldn't arrest him. How fucking lucky of Craig to have lived. <gasps> right? Which I think is what happened was that he, like, strangled him or tried to strangle him, stabbed him, whatever, and then dumped him thinking he was dead. Oh he wasn't dead. He was found and oh taken to the hospital. God. Oh, my God. Good thing he was found. But then why did he flee? I have so many questions. I don't know. Yeah. So then on August 31st, 1983, Ralph Calise was found near Lake Forest, Illinois. He had been dead for less than 12 hours when he was found. Oh, my God. He'd been stabbed 17 times. Jesus. And his pants were around his ankles. Oh, my gosh. He had been tied up with clothesline and surgical tape. Oh, Jesus. And then on September 31st, 1983, a highway patrolman saw a truck parked along I-65 with two men going into the forest. Uh Uh-huh. And one of the guys looked like he was tied up. (gasps) So the cop was like... Oh, my God. I'm going to go check out this situation, right? He's like, breaker, breaker, we got a live one. Yeah. going in hot. Yeah. And the officer went out there confirmed that the truck belonged to Larry Eiler. Oh, shit. The young man with Larry said Larry was making homosexual propositions and had asked permission to tie him up. Uh-huh. And then the officer searched the truck and found surgical tape, clothesline, and a hunting knife stained with blood. Oh, my God. His murder hit. Yeah. But I guess Larry was a really good talker, or the cop was like, oh, that's a lot of fucking paperwork. <laughs> I don't know, because he let him go. Oh, my God. And the guy who was bound was like... 
no, 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 we agreed to this. Yeah, basically, because, like, he hadn't been killed yet or, like, nothing bad had happened yet. Or do you think he was just saying that because Larry was right there? It could have been that, too. say that. But the party was broken up because that guy didn't die. Okay. So, either way. Party's broken up. Party's over. Yeah, either way, they were like, move along. And he's like, okay. So, do the shit in your house. Yeah, lucky for that guy. Oh, my God. Not on the side of the freeway. Right. What the fuck, cop? Come on. So, they were still keeping an eye on Larry because he's suspicious as yeah, fuck right yeah super fishy and they took samples from the blood from the knife and apparently they also took imprints of larry's boots and tires so they did process some things yeah yeah okay. at the, least there's that the boot prints and the tire tracks matched those found at the scene of ralph's body oh god and the blood on the knife matched ralph's body as oh, well Oh shit I wonder if there's, like, a lot of different blood or if it was just, like, he happened to be the last person that he killed. Right. And he didn't clean the knife. Probably that. That's got to be, like, a DNA nightmare. You If you don't clean the knife every time. There's just so many, so many letters. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess this still doesn't count as, like, firm evidence. Because they couldn't arrest him. What? Like, it places him at the scene of the crime. It fucking places him everywhere. And he has blood. Like, you don't get blood on a knife on accident. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could get it on accident, but not when somebody stabs 17 times. No, and then you can be like, this is the knife, and it belongs to Er to Larry, and it was found in his truck, and his boot prints, and his tire tracks, and all that stuff. So they are, like, collecting all of this evidence, but they can't do anything about it yet. Oh, my God. So then, obviously, the murders keep happening. Yeah, naturally. He's like, I got another knife. Yeah. You can have that one. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So on October 4th, 1983... 14-year-old Derek Hansen was found dismembered near Wisconsin. Oh, not dismembered. Yeah. On October 15, 1983, an unidentified young man was found near Rensselaer in Indiana. <laughs> so then on October 18, 1983, so he's just fucking cranking him out right Jesus. now. Jesus. They found four more bodies. Oh, my God. All dumped together at an abandoned farm in Newton County, Indiana. Oh, God. One boy had been decapitated. <gasps> no. And all of their pants were around their ankles. Oh, my God. So, again, he's got, like, the same fucking mode of operations here. Yeah. But he's getting weirder with, like, decapitation and dismemberment oh and stuff. Oh, my God. I wonder, like, are all of these men, like, known in the gay community? I don't know for a fact if they were. I believe that they were. Like, do you think the community would be like, uh... We got a fucking murderer fuck on the happened loose. To, yeah. Uh, hey, Craig, could you give us a little heads up on this man? <laughs> yeah, right? So then on December 5th, 1983, another unidentified young man was found in Effingham, Illinois. And then on December 7th, 1983, Jesus. the bodies of Richard Wayne and an unknown male were found in Indianapolis. Oh, my God. So this is now 22 dead bodies. Holy shit. In the, the span of what? December 1983, March 1982. Oh, my God. So, like, a little over a year? Yeah, like a year and a half. Yeah. Fuck. So, the police are attempting to close in on Larry, and they believe that they can connect him to 18 of the murders, but most of the evidence is circumstantial. Uh Uh-huh. And the police... Like, your tire tracks were here. I must assume that you were here. Yeah, you would think. There's blood on this knife. But I I must assume that it's your knife, so you did it. I don't know how circumstantial circumstantial (laughs) evidence works. (laughs) I think that's what it is. It's like, I think on, a, what was it, Making a Murderer, they explain it like circumstantial evidence as being, if you are outside and it's wet everywhere, you can assume that it had rained without knowing that it had rained. So the circumstantial mm. evidence is that 
it was and it raining. rained. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So I get the tire track thing, but like the blood on the knife. I mean, I guess you can't prove that he actually did the stabbing, but it is his knife. Yeah. But if it's his knife that was found in his truck and it has hard DNA evidence on it, like just because his yeah. DNA isn't on it too. Yeah. And he was taking somebody out into the fucking forest. Yeah. Exactly. Under the exact Tied circumstances up. that everybody has been found in. Yeah. yeah. So, the police tracked down the boy who had fled from the hospital, Craig Townsend. Mm-hmm. And it turns out he was in Chicago, and he didn't want to cooperate with the police. Oh, my God. Okay. Why? Why, Craig? Why? I don't know. I'm convinced he probably didn't want to, like, have anything to do with it or didn't want people to know maybe it was, like, he taboo. He to disappear. Yeah. yeah. So, he eventually agreed, and he identified pictures of Larry in a lineup. Good. The police also had another survivor. I'm thinking it was maybe the guy that was found with him by the truck when the police pulled up. Okay. But I'm not positive. Alrighty. Who also identified Larry. Okay. This is all good. Yeah. But this is all still circumstantial evidence. And if they want to get him for murder, they need more. Okay. They have to, like, catch him stabbing? Yeah, right? (laughs) So the police have a constant surveillance on Larry at this point. Oh, shit. Obviously, he got pretty pissed off about that. Yeah. And so he claimed that they were using psychological warfare. Of course. To unhinge him. <laughs> and he attempted to sue the Lake County Sheriff's Office for $500,000. Jesus. Yeah. His claim was denied. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> and when he was leaving the courthouse, he was arrested for the murder of Ralph Calise. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. He was held on a $1 million bond. Good. And police thought they had the case in the bag until February 5th, 1984, Uh during pretrial, the judge ordered that they couldn't use any evidence recovered from Larry's truck. Why? I don't know. What the fuck? Because it's circumstantial? I don't know. (sighs) That's all the solid evidence they have. Yeah. So then Larry was released on bail. Holy shit. What was his bail? Uh, Wasn't it like a million dollars? I think it was a million dollars. One million dollar bond. Oh, Jesus. So, sure, you only have to pay a percentage, but still. Yeah, but still. On May 7th, 1984, 22-year-old David Block was found murdered in Illinois. Of course, because they just let a murderer out. Yeah, like, how long was he in prison? And could they not just be like, yeah, nobody fucking died when he was in prison, though. Yeah, Check that's this pretty shit good out. circumstantial evidence. <laughs> yeah. So, David Block, uh-huh. murdered. His wounds matched the other bodies that had been recovered, so they knew it was, like, the same, same killer. yeah. On August 21st, 1984, a man was walking his dog in Chicago when the dog started going crazy around a trash can. Oh, God. And the owner checked the trash can. Oh, God. And found some suspicious stuff. Oh, so material. He, yeah. So he called the police, who discovered the body of 15-year-old Danny Bridges. Oh, shit. His body had been dismembered, bagged, and thrown in the trash. <gasps> oh, my God. That's so sad. It was Larry's trash can. Oh, like that the dog alerted on. Yeah. <gasps> it was yeah. just like a, a curbside trash yeah, can? A, I was thinking like a dumpster. Nope. It was just right there. Like, he was getting super cocky, I guess. <gasps> it was just like, nobody's going to fucking get anything what? on me. Yeah. That's crazy. And Danny's body had been dismembered in exactly the same way as Derek Hansen from October 1983. Oh, my God. And so they're like, okay, fucking, now we have yeah. this guy. In your yard. In your yard, in your trash can. You did it. In the exact same way as this other guy. This yeah. leads, this kind of pinpoints you to two murders, right? Where is he doing the slicing and dicing? Because 
That's it, where we need to go process a scene. Right. Ugh. Some evidence. Probably in his house if he's That's doing it That's what I'm saying, there. yeah. But also, the other ones were, like, found in the woods and stuff, so I'm assuming somewhere outside? Maybe. I don't know. So Larry finally stood trial, this time for Danny Bridges, and he was sentenced to death. Good. But also, it had turned out he had contracted AIDS. Okay. So. So there's that. Yeah. In November of 1990, he was trying to bargain himself off death row, so he agreed to confess to the murder and torture of Stephen Agin. Okay. But he said he had an accomplice. He said 53-year-old Robert David Little, who was a chairman of the Department of Library Science at Indiana State University, was with him. That is a very big title. (laughs) Yeah. Seems like an important guy. Yeah. Larry said that Robert took pictures and masturbated (gasps) while Larry dismembered the body. Ew! No. And Larry's sentence was reduced to 60 years, and Robert Little was arrested for murder. Holy shit. Seeing as there was no physical evidence against Robert, though, uh-huh. it was only hearsay, uh-huh. he was acquitted on all charges on April 17, 1991. I feel like you shouldn't get the lesser sentence, like, Larry shouldn't get the lesser sentence unless that other guy is found guilty. Right. Of what he claims. Yeah. otherwise like, you could just lie. You're just saying shit at that point. Yeah. So then Larry died of AIDS on March 6, 1994, after wow. confessing to 21 murders. Wow. Only to his attorney. Holy shit. He insisted that four of the murders were committed with Robert Little as an accomplice. Uh Uh-huh. And I also thought it was quite interesting. His attorney was actually Kathleen Zellner. (gasps) I was going to say. Yeah. I I think as soon as you said he confessed to the attorney, I'm like, I think I've heard about this, but I couldn't remember where. Yeah. She's, for anyone who doesn't know who that is, she's the lady who represents Stephen Avery in the Netflix docuseries or whatever it is. Uh Uh-huh. Making a murderer. Yeah, making a murderer. I couldn't think of the name. (laughs) And she's like a highly regarded defense attorney who, according to her, only takes cases where she's like, no, these people are innocent or whatever. Where she she knows that they're innocent. Yeah, she knows they're innocent or can get them off or whatever. But Uh that happened. So then she released his confessed list of victims after his death. Yeah. Yeah. So from what I heard on the documentary was that she knew about all this like he told her but she wasn't allowed to say anything until he died yeah so she was sitting on this information for a long time yeah i could never be a lawyer no not that's in that fucking sense. crazy so it's this guy huh yeah larry eiler she sat there and was like uh, all the families need to know what happened to their missing children like yeah. these were like teenagers and stuff that had gone missing and yeah they, they were all to young know. men oh my god that's crazy yeah I didn't know that it was that many fucking people. I didn't either. Well, I think in the documentary they show a bunch of pictures. And yeah. it's a lot of people, but you named off a lot of people. So. Yeah. So there's four people, though, that they never really identified? There's more than that. There was five in a group that they didn't identify. And then I think there was, like, an, another unknown male was found December 7th. An unidentified young man was found on October 15th. So, like, there was a few that hadn't been identified. Holy shit. And they still haven't. Yeah. It's so sad. Isn't it? Oh, my God. But this guy just went on a fucking murder rampage. I don't... Yeah. <laughs> and then he got arrested, and then they were like... They caught him a couple times. Yeah, they caught him a couple times. They arrested him a couple of times, and then each time, they'd let him go, and he was like, gonna press my luck again. I don't Why know. Why was she his defense lawyer? Like, did she think he was innocent? I don't know. That's, that's what, I don't know, kind of got me, because... 
from everything that like you watch the Stephen Avery thing and yeah she's like oh it's she believes him and she only takes cases where she knows that you know the truth is gonna prevail or whatever yeah, the fuck yeah, it yeah. is and I'm like okay well he confessed all this stuff to you yeah so you know that that's huh. not the case oh that's interesting and I don't know if she was the attorney when the truck evidence was dismissed dismissed yeah maybe because I know oh. she's a good attorney yeah she seems really good but from the few yeah things I've seen in the series but oh my god that's crazy what I don't understand though is like why did the guy ask to get off death row this is gonna sound kind of insensitive but if he had AIDS like like why did it matter at that point to yeah him? he's not gonna live long enough to he might not have known that he was gonna die so quickly but isn't AIDS pretty quick it's like well, now they have some cures for it, or they've recently had, like, breakthroughs and stuff. Yeah. Or medicine you can take. Maybe just the, like, mental stigma or whatever of it, so that's, like, I didn't die on death row. I Maybe. died just in prison. Maybe. Oh, my God. I don't know. Jesus. Criminy. Yeah. Fucked up, right? Super fucked up. Question. Do you think he got AIDS from the bonin or from the blood swapping? <laughs> Ooh, from cutting like people up during stabbing and stuff. Yeah, probably both. Because I'm assuming that most of these were sexually targeted. They're yeah. found with their pants around their ankles and stuff. Yeah, that's true, huh? Oh my gosh. Well, that's fucking morbid as shit. Yeah, but goddamn, am I right? Uh, fucking what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just can't imagine. Like, what if you're a gay person in that community or whatever, and like all your friends start going up missing or well, coming now up all i'm thinking about dead. Is, i know right all i'm thinking about now is like in that documentary kathleen was saying that you know these were all young men and, da, 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 and their families deserve to know and now i'm like well what if they weren't gay like what if what yeah if he was kidnapping them and doing these things like random it wasn't yeah people. it wasn't like consensual sex that turned into this violent affair yeah it was like he was snatching them up and doing that because i was thinking this whole time it was consensual sex that you know got out of hand because he had a hot temper yeah and... was haughty <laughs> But, like, when I put those two stories together, now I'm like, oh, my God, these are probably, like, not that they weren't innocent before because you're just agreeing to sex, but. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could have been that it was all consensual sex or he could have just been snatching, snatching people. But either Lord. which way, that's a fucking serial killer uh, yeah. on the loose. And he's stabbing. It's so, like, it's such an intense. Personal? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So the next time someone asks to tie you up during sex, maybe give it a second thought. Yeah, if they're using surgical tape and clotheslines. Yeah. And they want you to go in the woods. Yeah. Maybe and, uh, like, yeah, come into the woods with me, stranger that I've just met. Yeah. Let's go bone. Yeah. Maybe question that. Don't do that. <laughs> Stay safe. <laughs> anyway. That's all we got for you today. That is the end. That concludes this episode. I don't want to sing anymore. Let's not put that in there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's going in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Oh. Okay, exciting news for this week, even though it'll be a week later to you. But oh, yeah. We finally published our first Patreon episode. Hell yeah, we did. Yeah. And so if you are interested and would like to check it out, go check out our Patreon. I think you can go to like patreon.com forward slash ISGD podcast. Probably. Or you can go to our website, isgdpodcast.com, and we have a tab there for Patreon and it'll send you to the link. Yep. And um, we're going to publish them monthly. Yes. 
So go over there and check it out. And we love and appreciate. Oh, we already have two Patreon. <gasps> we do. Subscribers? What are they called? Patrons. Patrons. <laughs> we already have two patrons. Yeah, we do. Lisa and Jackie, you two are fucking amazing. And we love you. You are. You guys were on it immediately. And we cannot thank you enough for the support. And the love. Yeah. That's awesome. It's so awesome. Thank you so, so much. We're going to keep churning them out and luring you in. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Luring. And everybody else who's been, like, participating on social media, Facebook, Twitter, all of that, Instagram, we love it so much. And we appreciate you guys. Yes, we do. And keep tweeting, twatting, Facebooking, all that shit. We see you seeing us. It keeps us going. You. We get so excited still to this day. And we'll always try to respond. And thank you guys. That's yeah. it, really. It's just fucking thank you. A genuine thank you. Genuine thank you. We love you. <laughs> yes. Go to our website, isgdpodcast.com. Check out some pictures from this week's episode. Mm-hmm. Send us some emails. If you want to send us a suggestion or anything, you can email us at yes. isgdpodcast at gmail.com. Tweet at us, Facebook us, Instagram us at isgdpodcast. Yep. Go online and rate, subscribe, rate, and review us. Mm-hmm. Those send are us. pretty fun. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We like them. Send us some uh, snail mail at P.O. Box 2764, Spring Valley, California, 91979. Woo-woo. Is that all the things? I think that's all the things. It keeps getting longer and longer every week. I know. It's because we're getting more and more involved. Yeah, and we're this, getting more things. We're growing as a podcast, guys. This thing is blossoming. Yeah. Like we a really flower. Are. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. A weirdo. <laughs> you said blossoming. I know. That was weird. I know. It's not as bad as saying moist. Ew. <laughs> All right. Okay, people. People. Bye. <laughs> Bye. And if you're all caught up on our podcast, stay tuned for a promo from True Crime Fix Podcast. How many of you know the name Linda Goff or Sarah Marsland? I bet you will have heard of their murderers, though. Fred West and Harold Shipman. Hi everybody, this is Steve, the host of True Crime Fix, the podcast which gives the story whilst giving the victim the loudest voice of them all. So far we've covered cases such as Colette Aram, Kitty Genovese, Jackie Paul, JC Sawyer and Molly McLaren. I'll be releasing new episodes every other Friday via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify and all other available stations. So please come over and subscribe and give my podcast a listen. I really hope that you find these episodes informative. If you would like further information, please follow me on Twitter at True Crime Fix Pod or find me on Facebook, True Crime Fix Podcast. And remember, stay safe, look after each other and live life to the fullest because you never know who or what might be coming around the next corner. Take care, everyone.